Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, can you guess what I'm talking about today? Well, you already know. You already know. Talking about suffering, trials, pain, difficult circumstances. Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, in the world you will have tribulation. He doesn't say, in this world, you may have tribulation. You might have tribulation. No, no. Jesus tells his disciples, you will have tribulation. You will be persecuted in some fashion for your faith if you're really living it out. And on top of that, you're just going to go through some very painful, painful seasons. Acts chapter 14, 22 says that through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. I mean, we will and I'm sure you've all have, you've, you've all gone through some very difficult seasons in your life. And if you haven't yet, I'm just going to be honest, you will. You will go through some very difficult seasons in your life. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee that we will experience storms. It's a guarantee that we will experience heartbreak and suffering. But this morning, I want to tell you that it's also a guarantee that we will experience peace and hope and comfort and joy in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering. As a matter of fact, many times when we encounter pain and suffering, we think it's something that we did or we could have avoided or whatever it is, but many times as we look at the scriptures, it's God who sends us in the storm. It is God who puts us in those times and places of suffering. Do you remember by chance a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament? He was sold by his brothers and ended up in Egypt. In Genesis 50, verse 20, what does he tell his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In chapter 45, he tells his brothers, and I quote, God sent me. And so many times it's God who is having us go through a storm or bringing the storm to us. And you know, this goes totally against the whole prosperity gospel teaching that God just wants you healthy, wealthy, and happy. They clearly haven't read the Bible. Jesus' disciples were martyred, crucified, for their faith. Jesus himself suffered. Paul suffered. He knew what suffering was like. And guess what? You and I will suffer. And so, you know, many times there's, again, there's this underlying thing of like, man, do pastors ever go through things? Do they, do they get me? Like they have some type of special protection from God that they don't go through things. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I actually think that pastors have a massive target on their back. Because if you could get the pastor, you get the sheep. 
So the enemy is just prowling around like a roaring lion, trying to destroy the leadership of the church, cause pain and suffering. Because if you could create discouragement in the pastor, you get discouragement in the people, and so forth and so on. So I want to let you know that I've, I've been there where, where you're at. I've been in a place of pain and suffering in my own life. Matter of fact, 2021 was the hardest year of my life. The hardest year of my life. It was filled with a lot of anxiety, pain, a lot of crying. It was a roller coaster of a year. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade it for anything. My faith grew, my dependence in God grew. I'm no longer the same person. And so, church, we're all gonna suffer, myself included. And so my hope and my prayer for you today is that you would just suffer well. If we're gonna suffer, which we are, let's, let's suffer well. And let's do it for the glory of God. Let's suffer for the glory of God. Amen. And so I don't know what you're going through now. I don't know if it's a spiritual suffering that you're experiencing right now, spiritual pain. You don't feel connected to God. You're spiritually dry. You're spiritually complacent. I don't know if you're going through a financial situation. How am I going to make it? How am I going to provide? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to put food on the table? Those things matter to God, and they're painful. Maybe it's a relational suffering and pain right now. Your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Talk about not being together, impacting your work and your kids and your family. You go days and days without even talking or can't even go a minute without arguing. Maybe it's a friendship that has caused you pain. And maybe it's seeing your adult children suffer and that makes you suffer. Maybe it's an emotional pain, anxiety, depression, fear, doubt. Maybe it's a physical pain. You're going through some physical health challenges, or maybe a loved one is going through some physical health challenge. Whatever it may be, I mean, there's so many things that, that you can be going through. But again, this morning, my hope and my prayer is that your perspective on your suffering would change, that you would leave encouraged and hopeful as you suffer for the glory of God. And so that is exactly what Paul is going to do in these following verses. So we're in Romans chapter 5, and I want, to be look, I want to look at three verses this morning. Romans chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5, and as you're turning in your Bibles there, let me just kind of set the context from last week. Paul, in chapter 5, started this new major section and he is basically giving us the benefits or the results of 
our justification, of being right with God. So because we're right with God, right, by faith, we're declared righteous, we're good with the holy God, here are the results of being right with God that impact our everyday life. The first one was peace with God. The second was access to God. The third one I covered last week was hope in God. And today we'll cover the next benefit, which is triumph in God, victory in God. Romans 5, 3 through 5, another amazing benefit of our justification. It says this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That is the word of the Lord. Now, let's just work our way through this passage this morning. Look again at verse 3 specifically, the first part. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Isn't that interesting that Paul says we should rejoice in our trials? That just doesn't seem like, that some, it doesn't seem that, uh, that something comes natural to us to rejoice in our trials, right? It just doesn't. But I want you to see what Paul is doing here. What Paul is doing here, like I said, briefly just said, he is connecting our justification with our sanctification. You see, because in the previous verse, in, in verse, uh, verse 2, it says that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So Paul is saying that, that we have this, this hope and we rejoice in this future hope when we're going to be glorified with God. When we will have our bodies transformed to one of like Jesus' resurrected body, when God will make all things right. We have that hope. But Paul says also here that we also have not just hope for the future and we rejoice in it, but we have joy and we rejoice in our current sufferings. He says, listen, because of your justification you can rejoice in hope because you know that God will make all things right. That's future. He says, but also because of your justification, you can also rejoice in the now when things are not all perfect. What Paul is doing here, again, is connecting our justification and our sanctification. Because believers, because you, believer, can stand before a holy God in your justification, you can also stand in the midst of trials and tribulations. And not just stand, but stand joyfully, rejoicing in your sufferings. And this word suffering here is a very powerful word. It describes tremendous pressure. That's really what the word means. Tremendous pressure. Have you ever been in, in a pool or on the beach and had a, a beach ball and tried to kind of put it underwater? Have you ever tried doing that? Just the pressure of, of, of trying to do that. It kind of pops out and pops this way. It's just that pressure, that constant pressure that's very difficult to do. That's the same idea here. Tremendous 
pressure. He says rejoice in the moments where you just feel so pressured, so squeezed in, when you feel just the, the weightiness of your situation. Rejoice in those moments. And notice, too, that the word suffering is in the plural. It's not in the singular, meaning that we're going to continue to suffer. We're going to have multiple times in our life where we're going to suffer. It's plural. Rejoice in your sufferings, not your suffering. It's constant. But he says rejoice nonetheless. Now, Paul is not saying, let's just be clear, Paul is not saying rejoice because suffering is pleasant. That's not what he's saying here. I mean, he's not saying, hey, rejoice because you simply like suffering. I mean, nobody likes suffering, right? Nobody. And if you like suffering, man, I don't know, it's kind of scary, right? I'm praying for you. But nobody likes suffering. But he's not saying, hey, just rejoice in suffering for the sake of suffering. No, no, no. Paul says rejoice in suffering because of what it produces, because of what it does in your life. Believers rejoice not because trials are, are pleasant, but because trials conform us to the image of Christ. That is why we rejoice in suffering. Because in my suffering, I am becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So church, I'm going to ask you, how do you respond to the trials in your life? How do you respond to suffering? How do you respond to pain? How do you respond when things do not go your own way or the way that you would like? How do you respond? Now, here's the thing. We're also not robots, right? Like initially we get the bad news or we're going through something. We're going to feel something. We're human. We're not robots. But what happens after the dust settles? What, 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 what is your approach? What is, how do you approach things? What, how, do you, how do you respond to that? I believe that how we respond to trials reveals the strength of our faith. It really does. How we respond in those moments where we just don't know how we're going to get through, we get that bad phone call, it reveals. It reveals something about our faith. It reveals our dependence upon God. It reveals our trust in him. How do you respond when you encounter problems? My encouragement to you is to rejoice, to rejoice not because you're simply just going through it. Rejoice because God is working powerfully in your life. Rejoice because of what it produces. Look at verse 3b. It says, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces endurance. The word suffering, or I'm sorry, with the word endurance there, 
means to remain under. That's what it means, to remain under. To remain under tremendous weight and pressure without surrendering or quitting. That's what endurance means. Some translations actually say perseverance, steadfastness. It's when you bend but don't break. And so Paul is saying, look, rejoice in your suffering because suffering produces endurance. We don't simply just put up with pain and put up with a storm in our life. We push through. We stand firm. We remain under the pressure. Again, we bend, but we do not break. R.C. Sproul, famous theologian and pastor, says, tribulation puts muscles on our souls. Isn't that true? When you go through pain and suffering, it puts muscles on your soul. It creates greater endurance, greater perseverance. Suffering is the means by which we strengthen our spiritual muscles in order to stand joyfully in the midst of the storm. Many of you, I'm sure, many of us had uh, some New Year's resolutions. And I'm going to bet that many of you said, hey, this year I'm going to get in some really good shape. I'm going to go to the gym, right? Probably a good amount of it. It's like working out. It's like going to the gym, isn't it? I've been going to the gym a little more consistently, and uh, there's been a lot of tribulations in the gym, okay? There's been a lot of suffering in the gym lately, but here's, what I, here's what, what's happening. Every time I go, it gets easier and easier. The weights get, uh, they don't feel as heavy. I'm not breathing as hard, right? There's not much uh, just sweat on the floor because I'm just laying there like, like a maniac, just pretty much dead. It gets, it gets a lot easier, for sure. And so we're building endurance physically, and the same thing is true spiritually. Suffering produces endurance and perseverance and strength and spiritual muscles for the storms that are going to come in the future. It's preparing you to stand firm. And when you stand firm in one storm, and then you encounter a different storm, you're going to have more strength, more endurance, more hope, more faith and trust. And then you get through that one, and guess what? There's another one coming, and now you have more endurance and greater endurance and greater perseverance, so forth and so on. Suffering produces endurance. Look at verse 4. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Some translations have proven character. It is character that has been proven through testing. It is character that has been refined through fire. So suffering has a way to strengthen our character, our Christian character, our Christ-like character character. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way, you cannot make an experienced Christian without trouble. You cannot make an old sailor on shore, nor make a good soldier without fishing. A sailor is not a sailor if he stays on the shore. 
a Christian is really not a Christian unless you've gone through some trials and tribulations. That's when your love for God is tested. That's when your faith is tested. That's when your Christ-like character is tested, when you go through trials. So suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces Christ-like character and Christian character. But it goes much deeper than that. Again, it's proven character. Proven character. You've got to prove that you are in Christ. I believe that trials test our character. They test who we really are. You see, because it's one thing to say, man, I, I have strong faith. It's one thing to believe, man, man, like, I, I, I trust in God. My dependence is in God. Like, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring on whatever. I got it. But it's another thing to actually go through it. And trials have a way to test our character. To prove to to see if that's really true. So it reveals who we really are. Take, for example, Peter. Do you remember Peter? Jesus, I will never deny you. I will never leave you. Then Jesus gets arrested, and what does Peter do? Hey, aren't you with Jesus? No, I don't even know the guy. I have no idea. It proves his character. It reveals who we really are. And not only does, do, do trials test our character to see if we really trust God and love God and depend on God, but trials test the genuineness of our faith. They really do. You remember Jesus' parable in Mark chapter 4. This won't be on the screen, but he says this about one of the, the seeds He says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones who sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. So you hear the word of God, you receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. They persevere for a little while. They have a little bit of endurance. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away, revealing that they were never truly saved. They never had saving faith. They did not endure. They did not persevere. And so trials not only test our character, they test the genuineness of our faith. If we're truly in Christ, we will persevere. If we're truly in Christ, we will persevere to the very end. So suffering produces endurance, remaining, standing firm, and endurance produces character. It proves our character, and it produces more Christ-like character, and character produces hope. We come back to this idea of hope. And not worldly hope, as I mentioned last week, but biblical hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's sure confidence in the nature of God and in the promises of God. 
And so it produces hope. Charles Hodge, a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary before they um, started to teach liberal theology, uh, he said this, 18th and 19th century theologian, he says, the hope of the hypocrite is like a spider's web. The hope of the believer is an anchor to his soul, sure and steadfast. Believer, that's the hope that you have. You don't have hope, the strength of a spider web that can't sustain you. You have the hope like an anchor who could steady you in the storms of life. Biblical hope, sure confidence that God will do what he said he will do. Ultimately, here's what Paul is saying. Here's that logical chain. This logical chain leads to this, that suffering produces hope. That's the logical conclusion. The greater the suffering, the greater the hope. Suffering ultimately produces hope. And I was thinking, how, how, Does tested character produce hope? How does tested character produce hope? How does that happen? I just think it's an interesting connection. How does character produce hope? I think it it works this way. Our rejoicing in trials, our endurance, our tested character is evidence that we have been changed by God truly changed by God, justified by God. Therefore, it strengthens a believer's hope to the trials of this life. That's how proven character produces hope. Because when your character is tested and you withstand the storms of life, it gives you greater hope. It gives you greater confidence in God. And look at verse 5. I love this verse. Probably one of my favorite verses. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I love that. Hope does not put us to shame. The hope that you have does not put you to shame. The hope that you have does not humiliate you or embarrass you in this life or the next. When other people see that and know that you're a believer and they see that things are not going your way and they see you suffering and they see you fail, it does not produce humiliation. There's no shame. And I'll tell you why in a second. You will never be disappointed. The hope that you have doesn't disappoint now in our earthly trials, and in the future. You see, Jesus in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Isn't that humiliating, actually? Hey, God, we're good, right? I did all of these things for you. I, don't, I never knew you. That's disappointing. That's humiliating. But believer, you never have to worry about this. You never have to worry about hearing the words, I never knew you. You will not be disappointed. You will not be rejected. You will not be put to shame on that day of judgment, and especially here through your earthly trials. Why? Why? Because God's love has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's why. When you have the love of God in your heart, you have everything. No disappointment, no need to be ashamed. Even when things don't go your way, you have the love of God that has been poured into your heart. This is the basis of our hope. This is the foundation of our hope, the love of God in us. And notice, notice what the text says, that God's love has been poured into our hearts. The text doesn't say God's love was dripped into our hearts. It doesn't say that God's love was trickled into our hearts. God's love, believer, especially if you're suffering, has been poured into your heart. Yes, your heart. Your heart, believer. God has opened the floodgates of heaven and has poured his love upon you, overwhelmed you with his love into your heart. That's the basis of our hope. That's why we can endure. That's why we can remain joyful because we have the love of God in our hearts. You see, God's love being poured into our hearts is like taking the waters of every single ocean and trying to pour it into a Dixie cup. That's how big and great and amazing the love of God is. Romans 8, 30 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Take that to the bank and cash it. God's love has been poured into your heart. Your heart. Do you believe it? For yourself, not for, for other people, for yourself. Do you believe it for yourself? Do me a favor. Take your finger and do this. My heart. My heart. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God's love has been poured into your heart? Because it has if you're in Christ. Trials are not just a test of God's love for you. But also, 
they're a test of your love for God. That when God's love gets poured into my heart through my pain and my suffering, do I then respond back with love? Do I love him back even in the midst of the pain? Do I love him back even when things are falling apart? Do I love him back with my mind, my soul, my heart, everything? Do I love him back? I hope you do. If I could summarize today, this morning, one simple sentence, it's this. Our justification results in the ability to view suffering as a blessing, not a burden. That is a blessing there. That is a result of our justification. That we can look suffering straight in the face and say, suffering, you are not against me, but you're for me. Suffering, this is not a burden, but it's a blessing because I'm becoming more and more like Christ. So let me ask you, what if you begin to see your suffering as a blessing and not a burden? What if you begin to see your suffering as working for you, not against you? What would your life look like? How would you live? How would you feel if your perspective changed? I believe you would live with more joy, with more hope, with greater faith. I believe you would would live differently if you started seeing your suffering and your pain in a different light. So rejoice, church. Thank God for what you're going through because you're being conformed into the image of Christ. Rejoice. Rejoice in suffering because suffering produces endurance and endurance tests your character and character produces hope and Love is the basis for all of that. I want to end with one final thought. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, at work in your life, at work in your sanctification, your growing in holiness and Christ-likeness. The Father pours his love into our hearts. The Son reconciles us and gives us access to the Father, verse 1 and 2, from last week. And the Spirit is the means by which the Father pours his love into us. You have all of the members of the Trinity at work in your life in your sanctification process. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Church, you have it all. You lack nothing. The entire Godhead, the entire triune God is at work in your life. How beautiful is that? So in your suffering, remember that. God, the Godhead, is at work 
in my life. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your word that it encourages us. God, we thank you for the current season of suffering that we're in because you don't waste pain. There is purpose in our pain. Pain never goes to waste with you, God. Thank you that even in this storm, you are conforming us. You are strengthening us. You are changing us to look more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And so, God, I just pray that you would strengthen every single believer here today. That those who don't know you would come to you. That they want to experience eternal suffering apart from you. God, we thank you that you are at work in our life. We thank you that you've poured your love into us. Unconditional, unlimited love. into our hearts that you God love us and may we suffer well may we suffer for your glory may it be evident to others especially those who don't know you that our suffering is not in vain it's not wasted but it's to bring you glory help us suffer well May we rejoice in our suffering, God. So we respond to you, the triune God, with song this morning. We thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.